I'm Commander Shepard, and Normandy FM is my favorite show on the Citadel. Normandy FM. 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 Hello and welcome to another wonderful, spectacular, extracurricular, super califragilistic expialidocious episode of Normandy FM. I am one of your co-hosts, Kenneth Shepard, alongside... Oh my god, nope, I just said I was that Kenneth Shepard. <laughs> I was so confident, Ken. I was so confident. We're we're off to a great start, you guys. That was good. We're off to a great start here. I, I gotta say that's the that's the first time I've been on a podcast and the co-hosts have introduced themselves incorrectly. So that's well, good. First I like time it. For everything. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I mean, exactly. I Ken, love it. If, Ken, if you want to switch, I mean, we can switch it up this episode, and we can Absolutely just be not. each other. Nope. Yeah. Be like Caden, Caden, Caden. I love Caden. <laughs> are we talking about Caden yet? Is he in Mass Effect Andromeda? Dang it. Oh like, no, he's back finally. on Vermont. Oh, I don't like Mass Effect Andromeda because <laughs> I have bad taste in video games. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I am Eric Van Allen, one of your co-hosts alongside Kenneth Shepard, and joining us for this already spectacular mess of an episode is one Jess Cogswell. Hi everybody. Oh, Jess, how are you doing? Are you ready for this? Are, <laughs> I'm are you so, I was born ready just for this, just for this episode. I'm very excited. <laughs> Life will lead into this moment. Yeah, exactly. Some people peak in high school. I peak on Normandy FM. <laughs> hey, look, you know, it's got to happen somewhere. <laughs> exactly. You know, it's, <laughs> it's not the highest bar we can set, but we can do our best. <laughs> um, Jess, tell us a little bit about yourself and for the listeners at home, uh, who you are and what you do, and and why you chose uh, this episode in particular to come on, because we are talking about uh, PB. Yeah, um, so my name is Jess Cogswell. I am a communications student in Sacramento, as far as like I, what I do outside the internet, <laughs> um, but the majority of my life is spent on the internet. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, I work for two different sites. I work for Irrational Passions, um, and I also work for Uppercut, uh, where I do various podcasts. Um, I occasionally write, occasionally do reviews. I need to get better about regularly writing because I always forget that I love it, and then I start doing it. I'm like, oh, yeah, I like actually enjoy doing this, and I'm like pretty decent at it. I should probably keep it up. Yeah. Um, but yeah um and then as far as as far as doing this podcast i the mass effect well the original trilogy is one of my favorite game series of all times of all i can't even talk of all time (laughs) um (laughs) and uh i i really i liked mass effect andromeda too i know it got a lot of hate but i liked it um there were definitely problems but that's the correct opinion oh good good um but yeah, so when I heard that there was a podcast kind of kind of going over it, I was like, you know what? I will lend my voice to this good cause because while there are issues, um, overall, I had a really good experience with the game. Um, and I think PB is a pretty cool character. I don't think that PB is a character I would ever romance probably myself. Mm. Um, but I do think that she's fun. I think that she is a different kind of a sorry than we've seen mm. before. Mm-hmm. And so it was kind of interesting, like interacting with her and having her in the game. Um, and yeah, she's, she's a very cool female character too. I, I like mm. her. So I was excited to do this episode. I, well, we were glad to have you because it was kind of, a, I mean, behind the scenes we were panicking <laughs> a little bit because I, I forgot exactly how it all went, but basically we needed to, to bring some, a last minute in. We were glad to, to have someone, uh, chime in and, and talk all things PB because this is one of I'd say honestly one of the more interesting characters to deal with just in terms of like the the sorts of Asari characters we're used to in Mass Effect versus Mass Effect Andromeda. We've already talked a little bit about it on the podcast but PB is not exactly 
like Liara or really any other Asari companion or, or even like main character, side character, protagonist, anyone that you meet mm-hmm. in like the the main Mass Effect series. She's a very uh spontaneous, erratic, non committal, uh you know, she is a scholar and, and she's interested in remnant tech specifically, and that's kind of the part of what her story is about but even then it's all mixed up in like messy complicated breakup drama in a way that we don't often see from these characters uh the the one thing that struck me a lot as we start getting into what pb's you know loyalty mission really her like main story content is about was that when we're when we were in the main mass effect series the only time we ever really saw asari characters have any sort of relationship drama or anything like that it was um uh it was aria on omega and that was about Mm -hmm. it and even then it was it was framed more as like an internal conflict for aria rather than actually getting a sense of what their relationship was like and and how that played out and uh PB kind of falls into the same notes as Arya, but in a very different way. Like, Arya's a very... she She's reaching an, an older age. She's a little bit more mature. You you get the sense that she's talking about, like, her wild days are kind of behind her. She wants to be, like, the, the, the leader of Omega now. But PB is still very much young in Asari years and very, like... Th- this whole mission, this whole loyalty line that involves Kalinda is just this giant like mess <laughs> mm. that's like that that's the best way i can put it is it's this two people who thought they were out of each other's lives but one clearly does not want to be out yet and they just keep doing things to antagonize each other and it turns out that that also frequently leads to shootouts and many many people dying in <laughs> volcanoes <laughs> so, i mean what couple hasn't been there right right yeah. it's it's that's classic breakup right there is you know, chucking people into a volcano with your biotics. Big move. Um, but it takes us a real long time to get there, Ken, because, boy, if I had not made the the declaration that these missions have way too much, like, lead-up and preamble and jumping from one planet to another and literally going to a planet, hitting fast travel, going to the closest waypoint, driving the Nomad there having a dialogue, getting back in the Nomad, going back to the Tempest, and then going to another planet, and sitting through a million load screens in the process. Oh boy, if I hadn't complained about that yet, guess what I'd be bringing up right about now? <laughs> it is a reoccurring theme, I, I will say. <laughs> it, it is a lot, and, and, and Ken, I know that when we look at this stuff, it is, you know, we are looking at... A game that is again intended to you can tell that the intent was for us to be doing this stuff as we were going through it but i wanted to kind of get your thoughts on all this lead up to the actual meat of what's going on with pb and even then i say the lead up but it's kind of lead up to one main plot point and then lead up to mm. another main plot point that then leads up to the actual mission that happens the the thing that sticks out to me is that a lot of this, the preamble and the stuff that we get it leads up to various things is it feels very tangential to the actual story of what's going on in PB's loyalty mission because you know it does like we talked about it goes into the relationship with Kalinda and how that is or is not affecting her still but a lot of times we're like we're going to various like remnant towers to go find some random tech that PB has a signal of and yeah that does play into like what both of their end goal is but it's like I it feels so like going in the opposite direction of, like, the story that's being played. Because, like, the actual themes that, like, you get between each of these, you know, these runarounds is they usually are pretty good because, like, you'll... The first time you meet Kalinda, and then there's that scene that we'll get to later where she goes to the museum on Aya, and you kind of, like, delve into her, like... You know, what it what it is that brought her to Andromeda and, like, why certain things affect her the way they do. But it's it's all padded with this... Like the biggest intergalactic fetch quest that this game probably has, like mm-hmm. at least like with Drax, which had probably like behind PB like the second longest you know lead in to the actual loyalty mission. At least I always felt like I knew 
why I was going where I was going for Drax stuff. Like, it always felt very connected to the end goal, which was finding Spender. Here, it's like, we're going to do all this stuff, and then Kalinda's going to pop in and mess up PB's day for a little bit, and then it's going to, you know, very quickly go to some other remnant garbage that we have to find. I don't know, I'm not a, like, I was not a fan of the the process of getting to PB's mission. It's it's kind of rough, and there's so much lead up, because we already kind of covered some of it, but I wanted to pitch it out to Jess here, the, the sort of lead up that we have with uh, meeting Kalinda in the apartment for the first time, and, mm-hmm. and the, the sort of setup of kind of what PB's two main story beats are, which is that she wants to find Remnant Tech, uh, she wants to kind of establish herself in that field, but she's also got some baggage that came with her to Andromeda, notably in Kalinda. I mean, we already talked about the excellent, you know, like, not much babe <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that that's... happens in the, in the apartment, but uh, Jess, what were kind of your thoughts on, on the way PB's character is framed in terms of both her, you know, pursuit of knowledge and then also, like, this, this kind of baggage that she has around her ankle the whole time? I think it's interesting because I, I think that it's kind of a duality that you don't necessarily see all the time because I feel like whenever you have somebody who is very focused on like an individual pursuit like knowledge or or research or, or something kind of like that they generally tend to not have relationships and that's kind of how they're framed is like they're kind of isolated they're kind of a loner and mm. PB has that to a sense and like her tendency to be very like individualistic but at the same time, she's formed these relationships and she does have this kind of influence over her. And I think that's part of the reason why she does, she pushes even further to kind of be, you know, independent is because she's mm. maybe not necessarily the biggest fan of having that. Um, right. So it's just, it's an interesting duality. And and as we get further into PB's story, we get a little bit more of just how much of a chaotic, wonderful mess that she is. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. we, we go to Aya, to the museum where the remnant stuff is, and she is freaking day hammered <laughs> looking at all the... the... Okay, also, the, the remnant tech in this game always makes me laugh, because whenever I walk by it, it does that weird, like, bass hum thing that literally, like, blows out my speakers and stuff. <laughs> um, and so I was laughing at PB just, like, doing this weird sway in front of all the bass rumbling in the middle of the day, all these Angara just walking around, like, there's a drunk-ass Asari over there just getting down to the bass. <laughs> uh, but, uh... I, Initially, you know, I was like, oh, okay, PB's, oh, PB's drunk, you know. It, I, I will say that the first time I played this game, I didn't get very deep into PB's uh, story stuff, and that was because both, I think that the game does a really bad job of setting up what PB's story is going to be early on, especially in the way that uh, when I first played this game, I was trying to romance PB, and most of her romance stuff is just this repeating thing where Ryder will be like, I like flirting with you. And she's like, I like flirting with you. And then it just <laughs> continues along another dialogue thing. And then you do it again later. And it's the exact same line. Uh, and I, as, as I now like have gotten through more of this content, I can kind of see what they were going for with that. Um, here in, here in Aya, her being hammered and stuff, you get a little bit of an insight into who she is and that she's kind of looking for something that can define her that can be this mm. she wants she has great aspirations she wants to be this remnant scholar she wants to discover things she basically i i think she's this kind of person who gets held back by her own she she feels held back by the relationships she has with people she wants she has great aspirations she wants to be this great person but she keeps being afraid that she's not ever going to reach that and at, at points feels like the relationships she makes end up holding her back instead of letting her pursue her goal, but she still wants to seek those out. Um, and then it kind of escalates a little bit more into when we go see her in the escape pod as we're kind of darting around looking for all this different remnant tech stuff uh, as she tells us that she needs for this high-tech scanner uh, where you can just kind of have a no-strings-attached fling with her in the zero-G escape pod. Uh she just is straight up like hey you want to fool around right now and it it was really like those two like i don't even want to call them missions like segments of story happened very close to each other for me and 
maybe kind of gave me a little bit more insight into what they were trying to develop as her character, which is that she wants she wants things, but she wants to keep them at an arm's length because any mm-hmm. anytime it gets close, anytime she feels disappointed or let down or something like that, like on Aya, she just craters. I mean, it's mm-hmm. yeah. So she wants she wants everything, but has to keep it at arm's length because she really overcommits in a way. Um, which hey, I can feel that a lot. <laughs> I was gonna say hard relate, uh, but. <laughs> Ken, how did you? I'm really interested to to hear what you were, what you felt about some of this stuff. Obviously, her coming on to you into the in in the escape pod. I imagine you probably like swam out of zero g and hit the launch escape pod <laughs> button. Well, <laughs> just luckily, got her out of the ship. So, so the the very the very first time I ever played Andromeda, I did have that scene, and you can just kind of let her down easy, and you're just like, I'm. I'm sorry that that's not what I want. And she's very, you know, nonchalant. Like, no, it's all cool. I was just throwing it out there, just seeing if it was going to stick. And, but if you are, uh, like, like I, at this point, I've established my romance with Gil. So she's like that, that conversation doesn't even come up. And it is like, yeah, it is very Mass Effect of old and that like the scene cuts off very abruptly. Like, because like there's been there've been a lot of points in the series where if you're not doing the romance version of a scene, it feels very you know short and maybe it, like it very much feels like something's been cut out and that scene is one of them because like it even starts to fade to black in the middle of her like final sentence. So it's like okay, you clearly did not want this scene to go this way, but what the thing that because like you talk about how like, she wants to keep it, she wants things but she wants them at, harm, at arm's length. That, you know, that seems a little, you know, like, that's a little tropey in the way that, like, it's portrayed initially, but that as the mission goes on, I found it a lot more compelling of, like, a her relationship with Kalenda seems, let's, let's call it lopsided, like, the dynamic is lopsided, like, the mm. power dynamic is very lopsided, and we'll get, like, we'll get further into it when we get into the mission, but there's, like, some stuff in the... PB Kalenda relationship that feels like Stockholm syndrome is not the word I want to use, but it it feels like there's like a a bit of an emotional manipulative abusive relationship happening here, and it kind of made me like hesitant to interfere with certain things that happen later because like I want PB to be able to handle these things on her own terms, but we'll we'll put a pin in that. I. I have a feeling like I'm heading that same direction as you too, but um, we have to get through some open world bullshit first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we 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 run around uh, Andromeda picking up some pieces of remnant tech, and a- as we slowly piece things together, we're kind of figuring out like, okay, some something's up. Col- maybe not Kalinda, but there's a Krogan who knows what we're up to. There's a Merc group that's following us around and as we eventually find out uh because someone sneaks onto our ship and steals Pock, the wonderful observer that pb fixed up for us so long ago uh and 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 was kind of hanging around as as her pal uh kalinda has been behind everything and Mm -hmm. we we basically have to to track this thing down and we find them uh we find Pock eventually in a scavenged hideout uh, where we have to to negotiate Pock back from a scavenger, but uh, the whole thing kind of leaves this weird note on it because you know we get Pock back, we we have all the pieces for the remnant scanner. PB's like, I'm gonna boot it up and see what we can find. And even in the last dialogue of that, it feels like there's this very like, oh, we can put kalinda and all this it's all done it's all taken care of right everything's good now, h- half of me expected there to just be like uh okay loyalty earned because that's how some of these have gone in the past where it's like we didn't reach a resolution at all this is clearly setting up for something more in possibly a second andromeda game <laughs> but uh it kind of leaves on this very awkward note until uh pb then kind of discovers that uh there there is some remnant stuff that she can go find but she also as as we have this note she mentions that she has some feelings coming back up for kalinda and she doesn't really Mm -hmm. comment on what those are uh and this was kind of the part where 
as a writer who has been flirting with PB a little bit, it was kind of weird because at this point, if you have done the uh, the horizontal tango in the zero G escape pod, as my chaotic writer did, uh, because uh, look, I told you I'm playing chaos writing this time. <laughs> Wait, so, so okay, so like, yes. not to spoil the end of the show, but like you did that. So are you not romancing PB in the end? Uh, I I did the no strings attached version. I I did the I, I chose the option that was like hell yeah no strings. Uh, we will not spoil the end of the show just yet. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, but the the whole conversation kind of takes a weird turn if you are in that sort of situation where you have done the. I'm trying to think of another good. Damn, I had another good euphemism for for doing it in the escape I think, pod and i did not I think, have well one. you could have said the vertical tango because like gravity well i mean different. really it's like the z-axis the z- yeah, like, you're using the... all the axes <laughs> <laughs> um and that dialogue was kind of weird i just i i don't know i was kind of like Turns out the Bioware is still not great at doing the whole horizontal tango stuff to begin with. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Um, but if you have done that, all of your options at this point suddenly turn into a rider being like, well, you want to go into the escape pod and feel a little bit better? And it's like you have that option for every single thing. Is she being like, oh, you know, I've got these feelings coming up about Kalinda and... You know, I just really want to make my mark on wanna the galaxy. Want to bang him out? And I was just like, well, you want to bang in the escape pod? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll make you feel better. And part of me was like, at first, I was like, okay, that's kind of funny. But by like the fourth, I'm not kidding, fourth time, I was like, okay, ease up, Ryder. <laughs> um, Ryder is thirsty. Clearly. Look, it, chaotic. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm going for. <laughs> um, but... Once once we've gotten through all this, we finally do get to get into what the actual fun of this mission is, which is the, uh, once PB has found the signal on a planet we have not gone to yet, thank God, <laughs> um, we, we go there and it's in a freaking volcano, which is just, just a great opening, and as we're getting ready, you know, Callow's like, oh, we, you know, I have nowhere to land. It's an active volcano. What's going on here? Uh, and PB is just kind of like, hey, come over here. Come to my place real quick. Just come on. we Come over here. And, you know, it's kind of obvious what's going to happen, like what she's going to do. But Ryder, my idiot, dumb, chaotically horny Ryder, just goes wandering right into the escape pod. <laughs> um, but, okay, Ken, I was going to ask you about this too. Did you have the dialogue option where... Uh, as you're like heading towards the escape pod, she says like, "Come on in, I don't bite." And then Ryder can say, "I've got someone with me," or something like, "I'm not alone." Did you have that? That, that did not come up for me. No. Okay. Yeah. So once again, chaotically horny <laughs> Ryder is like, <laughs> uh, "This is a booty call. I've got someone with me." Um, but as you you're get in the escape phone? pod, <laughs> yeah, you're on speaker. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh as you get in the escape pod uh obviously she jettisons it and she's like well if we can't land the ship we can just land the escape pod uh and instantly this feels a lot like liam's loyalty mission again right. where it's just like we're just getting into some chaos here and i did not get mad at pb throughout any of this i was just like cool along for the ride let's have fun fuck it andromeda life and i did bring this up specifically because um Ken, you know what happens if you bring Drac on this mission in this specific scene? No, I've only brought Vetra. Okay, uh, if you bring Drac and he sits in opposite, he sits opposite of y'all, uh, your companion that's not PB on this one always does, the escape pod things can't close on him, and they just keep getting stuck like a roller coaster <laughs> safety bar that won't go down, and they just keep like trying to close down on Drac, and they won't. I'm pretty sure scene... I had him with me, and that happened, and it was very funny. It's incredible. Like a, it's actually like hilarious. Like as a joke, or as like a glitch? Like I couldn't tell if it was intentional or not, because they don't <laughs> directly address it, mm. but it's just okay. happening the whole time, every time it pans over to Drac. And so if it was, 
intentional, that's really good humor. And if not, that's still really good. <laughs> because that's it's hilarious watching the bars just go like, uh, uh, nope, nope. <laughs> I'll have to look um, that up later. You, you, you need to look that up later. It's, it's a good time. Uh, but as as we land, we start we start going in, and obviously you have PB's kind of like, well, sorry, Ryder. Uh, what was that, Ken? Well, I was gonna ask like, Jess, did you were you like was anybody here mean like mad at, at PB about this? Like, does anybody has anybody seen that side of this scene? Mad at P? I don't I don't think so. No, because I don't remember that being a thing. Yeah, yeah I was I, definitely not mad at her either. Yeah, because like I I wasn't I wasn't with her either because like. I w- but I was mad at Liam for like a very similar like reckless messing with the initiative thing, because like mm-hmm. like I said back then like I had I'd played to a certain point in this playthrough where I was more concerned I guess about the future of things and that Liam was jeopardizing it. Where like I'm sitting there in front of PB and I'm like, you know that's that's probably what I would have done too. Like I I mean there's one th- there's one thing that's Liam did something stupid. PB's just kind of like impatient and wanting to get this done as quickly as possible and i was like okay you're you're fine it's fine yeah it's mm-hmm. i i feel like this fits pb's character a little bit because she is just like so she wants that remnant tech she doesn't want to wait and i think at this point there have been so many situations where people have shown up and messed up remnant tech acquiring in the past that she doesn't want to risk it even in mm. the face of an active volcano uh so it's yeah no there's there's no point in getting mad come on now. also my rider was probably just like hey you want to jump back into the escape pod real quick <laughs> <laughs> um so as we as we get moving along uh i the one thing i will say about this mission is this might be one of the best missions overall that i've played in andromeda so far because it mm. feels it like really well put together there's a lot of mechanics going on there's like good enemy variety like you fight pretty much everything but the cat in this right. mission i guess the the rokar as well or, or like the other enemy type but you fight like a good variety of enemies that keep you on your toes and also like this is one of the only times i can remember fighting a destroyer so far which was kind of interesting i feel like i had not seen one of those in a very long time and all of a sudden one pops up here so that was neat yeah, there's but, more of those like in some later missions, but like we're at the point where they're starting to like really, you know, lean in on that enemy type here. Yeah, but they also just do some interesting things in terms of like the the main mechanic of this mission, which is very like fitting for PB, mm-hmm. is the idea that you have this observers like ones that you can call down that'll be on your side that don't just help you in combat but help you with solving environmental puzzles and accessing interfaces and things like that as well, and. Th- not only does that create this very good exchange between the combat that's happening and like the exploration that's happening, which I felt had been missing a lot from all this remnant stuff. It was usually just like, Oh, hit a console to hit consoles until you get the right combination that opens the right bridge to get across and then fight some remnant and then do this. But finally they were starting to like interplay with each other a little bit. Uh, But also it's, it fits very nice with PB's Mm -hmm. whole thing. You know, she's all about not just, you know, finding Roman attack, but she turns the observers into allies. She's very interested in studying them, you know, obviously destroy them when you have to, but um, it's, I felt like it was a good, I, I never felt frustrated by the exploration of this level, which right. is surprising considering how much you have to do to get through this level to do all these different, okay, now open up this thing now interface with this thing now hold this area you know maybe hack this turret over here it's going to help you out because there's a lot of enemies but it all felt like it flowed very well and Mm. um created a really nice mission that i was like wow i wish some of the actual main story missions had this level of care put into them because it felt like somebody was really like i want to make a good mission for pb and succeeded in that regard it has a nice level of clarity that's not usually present in open world bullshit that was the major, like you know is you know at least half if not the majority of this game so like when you've got some like you got something that feels like really well structured it, it sticks mm-hmm. out it's it's real nice and then of course kalinda shows up of course kalinda shows <laughs> of up. course uh as we find out she put a tracker in pock and left pock there 
And as we're moving through this area, the dialogue between Kalinda and Pelisaria, as she calls her, um, PB, kind of starts to get to a weird place. And I think this is what we were kind of hinting at earlier, Ken, but this is kind of the crux of what I wanted to talk about with this mission and kind of PB in particular, because, you know, I, I didn't want to give it away too much early, but the whole beat of Kalinda is really seems like uh, PB was young and naive and kind of almost taken advantage of by mm-hmm. Kalinda. Kalinda is extremely emotionally manipulative and PB, it seems like eventually got, got wise, but maybe just got finally dumped. Like she stopped being entertaining for Kalinda in some ways because you start to get the sense that with Kalinda back, PB starting to already kind of feel a certain way again because mm-hmm. she has all these dialogue things where she's like, you know, you're you're kind of asking her like, you know, are you still into her and stuff like that? And she's like, no, I don't know, like, but I it's whatever. It's I want to get Remnant Tech and stuff like that. And it starts to feel very weird because they have this very, you know, it's it's the sort of Marvel banter that we talk about a lot. This sort of, you know back and forth and it is funny you know they do a lot of things where it's like oh you defeated all my men really no not really and all that Mm -hmm. stuff but it it's kind of in this overall framing of kalinda's just constantly using pb and pb is in a way like kind of okay with being used and i was for a large portion of this mission i was really just like maybe not really enjoying what they were doing with that dynamic. So I wanted to kind of get a gauge from the two of you. We can start with Ken uh, on on how you felt about this. I don't like necessarily getting in the middle of their relationship and like sort of in the way that like I want PB to be able to, you know, kind of deal with these things on her own terms and her own time because that is like, when, like, when you're coming out of, like, a, an abusive or, like, just a very toxic relationship, that's what you gotta do. Like, no matter what anybody else says to you, like, you can't, no, you're, like, you're not gonna move on and be, you know, on the other side of it until you are ready to do that. But that doesn't mean that, like, being the third-party bystander that watches it happen is any easier when you let that person kind of feel their way through something. But, it, like, it's... It is a weird thing, because, like, I don't really know if it's, like, I feel like Bioware is trying to make light of it in the way that they do. Because, like, they, like I said, like like you said, the banter is very funny, witty, you know, quippy. But, and maybe it's just, like, the style of Andromeda's writing bleeding into, like, a very... Like, a, you know, a different kind of subject matter. But it is weird, like, feeling like it kind of is making light of what is clearly, like, a very toxic relationship where Clinda has... Like, she has, like, PB wrapped around her finger. Like, even though they are technically not together, like, there's still clearly something going on there. To the point where, like, PB, who is this very, you know, like, lets everything roll off her back, is like, there's this person here that has this vice grip on her that is, you know, the only person that we've seen so far that can really get that reaction out of PB. That, like, the only person that can make PB, like, shut up. The only person that, like, just, like, their mere presence, like, takes PB a step back so like just from there it's like a it's a I don't know like it's everyone who's ever like dealt with this kind of stuff is gonna have different reactions to it but I don't know it's a I think to their credit there is like something that resembles closure later but like while you're going through it like it's it's tough to listen to Uh just how did you feel about just like the way that PB's relationship with Kalinda gets kind of framed in this game. So I'm really glad that you guys brought it up, actually, um, because I think that it is one of the more interesting things that's covered in any relationship in a Mass Effect game. Um, I think that I wouldn't necessarily call their banter making light of the situation. I think it almost showcases that you can still have feelings for and find charming and find charismatic Mm. someone who's still at their core an abusive, toxic person for you. You know, Mm -hmm. and I think that's what PB struggles with so much is it's like there's this person who at one point she was compatible with and who has a lot of similar, you know, characteristics to PB, um, kind of that adventurous spirit, Mm. um, you know, that 
that kind of cockiness uh, and, and that charisma, you know, and they have, they can have a good back and forth. They can be playful right. with one another when PB's a really playful person. Um, but yeah, I mean, you see all of the telltale signs of somebody who is completely belittled by and um, I just, just brought down on, you know, like made, made to feel small in a relationship. Right. Um, and so yeah. I think that they do kind of cover it in, in an interesting and different way because it's not necessarily something that's explicit. Um, right. You know, and I think that allowing PB to kind of be that independent character, that person who maybe does have a harder time getting attached to people because she knows how she mm. is once she is attached to people. And she maybe is a little bit upset by that. Um, Cause we even talked about it earlier in this episode. She has like this kind of pioneering spirit. She wants to be, she wants to discover things. She wants to be, she wants to make a name for herself. She wants to be a scholar and she feels held back by connections to other people. And like, this could be why right here is, you know, somebody mm. took up so much of her time and her energy and her heart, um, you know, that she didn't really have the capacity to do as much as she wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's just, it's, she's an interesting person to kind of observe. Right. I was trying to think about it as I was playing, like how many Mass Effect characters we've had to this point who have previous relationships. You know, we've mm. had, um, we, we've had characters in the past, you know, like, you know, dead spouse and things like that, but we've never think. really, yeah, we've never really had to deal with, an actual, you know, like significant other very often. Um, I actually can, can you think of any in the mass effect trilogy? I'm like, maybe I'm overlooking something, but Arya is the only one that keeps coming to mind when I think of this stuff. Yeah. So I'm trying to right now, but I can't think of anybody. I think like Thane with his ex-wife is the closest thing. Right. And it, it's an interesting dynamic. I mean, we talked about how that makes Thane a really interesting character when we talked about him in the trilogy and, and how mm-hmm. that makes his storyline very interesting, especially for romancing. And that's kind of what I wanted to touch on moving into, I guess, what is one of the larger choices in this mission, which is as we're kind of making our last sprint for the device after, you know, literally just plowing through every single mercenary that kalinda could have possibly brought to the planet <laughs> um uh they both kalinda and pb make a run for the device as this volcano is essentially erupting around us and uh the platform that they're on kind of tips as kalinda misses the jump and pb has to make a choice between the device and uh kalinda and that's not it isn't even really framed as a choice because PB initially says, I can't, you know, I can't let Kalinda die and starts running for her. But that's when you get a choice as Shepard to Rider. shoot. Or, God dang it. <laughs> as Ryder. <laughs> this is just, that's one of our running gags here is that I will constantly get Ryder and Shepard's names mixed up because I of would our constantly do that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Thanks, Ken. No, I... Three I Ryder, Shepard. Um, <laughs> anyways, as, as we get the option to shoot Kalinda, and at first I was very much like, why is this even an option? This feels like a really messed up thing to do. It's not, you know, compare it to the Drac choice that we had just a little while ago where, you know, again, we did have someone at our mercy, but it was a racist piece of shit who was going to turn around and go back to screwing us over. If we let him go, I was happy letting him fall off the side of the cliff versus here is someone who, yes, has thrown an entire army at us to try and stop us from getting to the device. But not only is she a little bit more on like the GI Joe level of cartoonish villainry versus, you know, like the racist piece of shit level of villainy. Mm. But, uh, PB is already in the act of trying to save her. And I was kind of trying to like go over in my head, you know, what does this choice mean? You know, what, what is kind of the thing that they really want Ryder to choose beyond just does this person live or die? And what ended up kind of coloring my thoughts on it was that my Ryder was flirty and my Ryder was thinking about maybe a relationship with PB and had already done the, triple axes tango with pb once and was maybe you know like thinking about 
something a little bit more committal. And that's both the really interesting thing and the really weird kind of unsettling thing that in this moment, that choice is almost like, are you going to be the kind of like person that Kalinda was to PB? Mm -hmm. Because if you shoot Kalinda and dump her into the lava and let PB get the thing that she wants in exchange for kind of cutting Kalinda out of her life by your own action. That seems like something Kalinda would do if the roles were reversed. Yeah. It's extremely manipulative. It's like, it's presenting someone with like this perception of choice, but really you're the one doing it. Like you're, you're Mm -hmm. making this call for this person and deciding what's best for them. Right. That was sort of my thinking with it too. It's like, if I, if I shoot Kalinda and I let her go get the device, I am making a decision on how PB is going to, like, work through her trauma by, like, being like, okay, you, you, like, there is no chance of, like, reconciliation, whether it's romantic or not. Do you, like, this person is dead and I made that decision for you. And, like, that is, like, both in that that's, like, taking her life and, like, you know, molding it to what you want it to be. That's messed up in its own way. But it's also just, like, I don't know, like, I don't like like, and it goes to what I was saying earlier. It's like, I don't like putting myself in the middle of, like, a conflict between two people that is clearly something that at least one of them really needs to work through. Not just not just for, like, the sake of their relationship, but it affects the way that PB has her relationships now. Like, she doesn't want to get mm-hmm. close to Ryder and the rest of the Tempest crew because she knows what that attachment can mean and, like, where it can go. And that's because of the things that Kalinda has put her through. So... You know, maybe there's, like, some people that are like, oh, by killing Kalinda, I can, like, relieve PB of that burden. But I'm like, no, by doing, by killing Kalinda, you have made that decision for how she's going to deal with that for for her. And I'm just not about that at all. Mm. It's, a, it's a tough situation. Just what did you kind of... I'm interested to hear what you chose and also, like, kind of how you felt about all this. I let her save Kalinda. Um, it was one of those things to where, like, the option of killing her just seemed so wrong to me. Um, <laughs> it's, you know, and I think it's just because, like, when you love somebody, it's not about making choices for them or deciding what's right for them. It's about trusting them to make the right choices. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if that was what she wanted to do, if in that moment she's like, I need to save Kalinda, like, this is important. It's more important than saving, you know, Remtech or, or, or focusing on, you know, that side of my life like the the scholarly side like my relationships are like this is important to me um then then that's what she needs to do you know i don't feel like it's my job to intervene in that and then on top of that like i think that just kind of shows growth as a person too you have this this character who the entire game is just so like I don't know if I would want to have strings attached to any relationships. I don't even know if I want to stay on this ship. I don't know if, you know, like I, I want you to tag along with me as I do these things. Like I kind of do it my, you know, on my own. And then when it comes down to it, when push comes to shove, she chooses her relationships over, mm-hmm. you know, all of this other stuff. And it's, but right. it's not uh-huh. done in a way where it's like, I'm a girl and I choose my relationship and I, I don't care about, you know, all that book mm-hmm. learning. It's, it's not like that. It's just, you know, it's, at her core she's a compassionate loving person like this is who mm-hmm. she is she's embracing that she's she's still cares for this person she doesn't want you know them to die um despite everything so it's it's yeah. very different from like other stuff we've had in the past too because i was you know she does still sock kalinda in the face after she saves her life which is which well deserved satisfying <laughs> yeah uh but the the thing she says before she goes diving for Kalinda is that she her life is worth more than the device. And, right. you know, it is it is that recognition where I, I also had a moment where I was like, we all love Liara. You know, Liara is one of the best companions in Mass Effect. We all love her. Would that, like, Mass Effect 2 era Liara have made that same decision? I don't know. Right. <laughs> I, yeah. I think she might have made the other one. And you would have had to save Kalinda or not. And it's, Mm -hmm. that's kind of like the comparison that we, that we've been drawing for all of these characters is how they differ from some of their counterparts in the, the Mass Effect continuum. And uh, PB, as, as we get back on the ship, you know, we, we get a note from Kalinda. There's a bunch of remnant tech and she's saying she won't bother us anymore. 
I don't think it's sincere. I was basically like, I'm a little skeptical, but PB's like, you know, we're just going to have to trust it, maybe scan everything that shows up on this <laughs> ship. Um, Ken, you, ma- you made her pay for the escape pod, really? Yes. You, you... <laughs> Look, that escape pod is communal communal use, man. That's for everybody. That's <laughs> Yeah, and now nobody can use it because she spaced it. Well, we haven't need to use it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not well, a problem. Y- we can always know, jump I, out in the you know, nomad. You know, Shepard thought that he didn't need any escape pod for a while, but then the collector just blew up his ship, and then he died. So, okay. Mass Effect Andromeda. Fair point. Writer, that's like, that's how it opens. <laughs> like, like literally, like the cats show up, and they're like, "Oh, we're gonna blow up this ship," but like, Ryder's like, "Oh, I made PB buy an escape pod, so we are good." <laughs> they, they all get out, and that's the moral of the story. Yep. Um, but we do get kind of a final note here that she does give us this little message to uh to everyone now i have not done this in game yet because again i am trying to avoid post loyalty missions with crewmates because i am still undecided on who i am romancing in this game well eric i'm Uh, gonna tell you now i think that i don't know that you can actually have the pv relationship if you do the zero g triple x hango so you might have made your decision so well then I mm. yeah that's that's actually one thing that I did not know when I played the game uh with like PB is if you do like I didn't realize that she had like two base like relationship paths because I think she's one of the only characters that's like really like that um but yeah because I thought whenever because I actually what's funny is I said I would never romance PB but I definitely did like now that I think about it I'm like oh yeah (laughs) like I definitely had sex in the uh in the little escape pod um, but I figured that she would want you to say the no strings thing, even if you wanted strings. Yeah. Um, because like that just seemed, cause she seems like such a chill person. It's that whole, like, you know, you go on a date with somebody you're like, oh no, I'm not looking for something serious. <laughs> cause you don't want to be then, intimidating right off the bat. You, but then you catch feelings on the yeah, date. Yeah. Mm. exactly okay. and so like i well, but i think I'm that frustrated <laughs> yeah so i don't know if that's like something that you can change later on in the game and like you can get on that track um or if like you have to make that decision there or else that is closed so i don't know right i because i'm pretty sure it's closed because they did a similar thing in mass Effect 2 with jack where like mm. she you know you get like midway through her conversations and then she finally like she'll ask a male shepherd like are you like eyeing me up right now? Because I mean, we can do it. There's a table right here that we could do this on, and then you you can be uh, like, yeah, I want to do that, or you can be like, no, I want to get to like, no, you want to be an actual relationship. And then she's like, you know, I, I don't remember what she said something like, you don't need to get to know somebody to know where to put it or something like that. And so it has like basis in the way that Mass Effect occasionally frames relationships because like I don't think they really have done that except in those two instances because like there's nothing like that in Mass Effect One. Well, no, Diana Alice, but she doesn't really count. Um. Mm. Like, you can have this casual relationship, with that, but that kind of walls you off from anything more. See, that that almost kind of frustrates me, because, again, we've talked about it before, but, like, games like Dragon Age have done the whole, you don't have to do this whole, like, lock in a million things, and they kind of treat sex as, like, the ultimate, like, Xbox achievement that pops up as it fades to black and all that. You know, there there are things after that, and there are... Uh, like Dragon Age 2 does that very very well and so that's maybe frustrating to me is that Bioware here is going like okay well you you did it once that counts that's it you got your one (laughs) no more done Mm. end of path so now I'm a little bit frustrated but I mean that's how life is right you have sex one time and you're done (laughs) exactly that's how that's how real life works right yeah (laughs) Um, get married one time done (laughs) mm -hmm, before the eyes of the lord uh but i did i did watch the scene that happens here at the end with pb uh which is very nice where she kind of has that moment where she's like you know what i'm ready to be a part of the crew um and and lets everyone know that she's going to be a part of the tempest and she's not you know she wants to hang around she wants to be part of the tempest does not want to just sit there hovering the escape pod button uh and that feels like you know, a lot of characters we've had so far have had some level of closure, but it's often felt like it's a setup for who their character is going to become in the future with characters like uh, like Vetra and Liam and stuff like that. But with PB, it felt like we got 
a good solid character arc even if it was kind of bumpy in places by the end of this i feel like we know who pb is as a character let me put it this way it feels more like the the character arcs in like mass effect 2 where you kind of get to see all of this character and there is room for them to develop further in further games but you do get a full kind of picture of who this person is and maybe a little bit of growth from them as a person uh which which i like because i think that's something that was kind of missing for me in these other loyalty missions you know we've always had to kind of end on sour notes which is that oh you know they're really Korra was one that stuck out a lot was oh i want to see what happens after the loyalty mission now that Korra isn't just in a sorry worshiping uh we blue as we called her <laughs> um that's really good actually thank garst for that that's one. very yeah. good uh and i was like oh cool now she's actually a character i want to see where this goes it's like loyalty earned you're done that's it and mm. at least with pb it felt like we got some level of closure and this character was also a really nice subversion of what we've become used to in the mass effect galaxy so just how did you kind of feel at the end of andromeda you know all things considered about pb as a whole i thought so pb is one of those characters to where i feel like right off the bat you could like really be into her or you could be annoyed by her (laughs) um because she has one of those personalities you know what i mean where it's like she's just a lot (laughs) um but i think and i think this is how you could kind of ultimately say she's a successful character is that by the end of it like even if she is still kind of a lot she's still like that spunky um you know detached kind of person like Mm. you still you get her like you get okay yeah but you're kind of a sweetheart like you're you're Mm. kind of a softy and like you do want to be a part of this and you're a good person right so i think yeah they they do some good things with her yeah my sort of like wrapping thoughts on it was like more so than I think most of the other characters in, in the, on the Tempest. She, like, that, she, like, at the very end, like, says she's proud to be part of this family, which mm-hmm. was, and, like, by that she means, like, the Tempest crew. Because, you know, we make a lot of comparisons in this, of the, to this game, like, Gardens of the Galaxy specifically. Like, it's very much, like, a found family story, which, you know, the trilogy was by the end of it, but it was not necessarily as pronounced until, like, maybe Mass Effect 3, especially around, like, Citadel and things like that. So... And then, like, when she's like, oh, does anybody want to help me up, clean up, you know, my, my room after we you know, we jettison the escape platform? And then everyone comes up with, like, you know, really, like, campy answers as to why they can't do that. Like, Liam even says, like, I'm making ice. And Vetra's like, I'm going to go watch Liam make ice. So, like, it's, <laughs> it's, like, a very good scene that I think encapsulates, I think, a really nice sort of spot that PB plays, which was kind of, like, the sort of, you know, again, to make the Guardians of the Galaxy thing. Like, the Rocket Raccoon, like, I don't actually like any of you. This is I'm out of I'm here out of convenience, and so like yeah, it is kind of like I mean she granted she, she's older than Ryder, but like she is like the kid sister of the Tempest, like the, as this person who you know was came in kicking and screaming, not really wanting to be here, but realizing that it was sort of like a relationship out of necessity and convenience, to finally like being like like a Dracula says like glad you caught up to the rest of us, like understanding mm-hmm. that you were part of this crew the whole time. I just remembered that it is. I I just remembered Andromeda has that movie night scene. That scene was so cute. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that it exists. Hmm. I I have not seen that yet, and I've been intentionally holding off for when we do our, um, I believe our Pathfinding episode is where we'll talk about that. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. The extracurricular stuff before we get to the actual final mission. uh, And I'm I'm looking forward to that, because just from impressions that i've heard of people feeling like that uh it's, it seems kind of like citadelly in, in the it way is. it's like very about mm-hmm. your crew hanging out having a good time which is another thing is. that I've, i kind of missed in this game a little bit compared to mm-hmm. like citadel mm-hmm. it is very much the like abridged citadel dlc right. yeah. <laughs> oh boy that's PB. That is PB. Jess, I want to mm-hmm. thank you so much for coming on the show and chatting with us. We're so happy to have you on. Thank you for being a good sport and dealing with the delays <laughs> that we had today with all the fun that we've had this week. Uh, and also, like, coming on last minute to be a guest. We are very grateful to have you. Oh, my gosh. No, I am grateful to be here. Thank you both so much for inviting me. This has been a lot of fun. Oh, uh, see, uh, okay. <laughs> Jess, we do got to ask. We don't have a, a lightning round uh, question set for for andromeda like we had for the previous trilogy but we do need to ask 
Are you a Dragon Age fan as well? I am. Yes. Okay. Not as deep as Mass Effect, mm. but yes. Hmm. We might have to talk about looping back around then once we start, because Ooh. we here on Normandy FM are going to Thetis. We are going to Dragon Age. <gasps> This is the part where I shout out all the excellent things about our podcast. So if you're a listener, if you've been listening, if you've been donating to the Patreon, thank you so much for contributing. I want to give a special shout out to Anthony and Ruben. Y'all are great. Thank you for contributing. If you want to shout out every week like Anthony and Ruben get, you can head on over to patreon.com slash FM and contribute. Your contributions as a group have gotten us to the point where we will be doing Dragon Age We've already got some art in for it that looks fantastic. Can we look so good? We do. We look, look way better than we do in real life. It's 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 incredible. It's the best. I love it. I want our, our special <laughs> artist. Ken, what's the name of the artist so we can shout them out real quick? Oh, I goodness. Give them a shout let, me, out. let me make it. Because like, they have like a, a artist name that I'm going like, to... Yeah, yeah. We need to shout uh, them out because I Mizome? want them to sculpt. What, what was that again? Uh, Mizome. I want them to sculpt my real life appearance. Can they do that? <laughs> Can we commission them to turn me into the the tarot card painting version of myself? Because I don't look like Eric. I look like Prince Eric from the damn Little Mermaid. That's how good I'm looking in that. <laughs> it's nice. Oh, the tarot card art is so good. It's, yeah, it's the like- best. Uh, so get excited for that. We will be ramping up to that. Uh, that will happen sometime in 2020. Uh, we're still working on the schedule for that as well as the guests, kind of the timeline, because obviously Dragon Age is pretty big. I would even venture to say it might overall be a lot larger than Mass Effect in terms of how much we have to play through because we have, uh, Origins, Awakening 2, and Inquisition, and Mm -hmm. I would say even just Origins and Inquisition combined are maybe longer than all of the Mass Effect games put together. (laughs) So we'll find a way to like condense origins as much as possible though i feel like dragon age just as a series has a lot more like to it like lore wise and stuff yeah. too it's kind of intense like the amount that yeah. some people know about you know oh yeah the whole series <laughs> it's a they, very they make those encyclopedias game, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. oh yeah and they've there's like books i mean there's still comics and stuff coming out about it i saw something mm-hmm. the other day that was about like uh, currently on-running series about one of the companions from Dragon Age 2, and I was like, oh, okay, like, there's... <laughs> I mean, it makes sense that there's stuff out there. I mean, ostensibly, at some point, there will be a fourth Dragon Age, God willing. Just, uh, or... hit, hit me up whenever you need somebody to talk about how great the colon uh, sex-on-a-desk scene is. <laughs> oh, okay. Good lord. <laughs> okay. I forgot about that one. We'll, it's we'll so good. So good. <laughs> i feel like inquisition is the one that's going to be the uh the listener favorite because you know origins is what it is but that was kind of bioware doing what bioware had done previously and it was also very based in kind of that old uh crpg style it was very Mm -hmm. Baldur's gate in a way whereas Mm -hmm. once they got to two they were like okay what if we did the mass effect 2 version of dragon age origins and then with inquisition it was like okay what if we just did the most open world thing we possibly could but also inquisition has some great characters and writing and stuff like that so i'm really i'm interested to get into all this but because it's such a massive thing and also because it is review season right now uh we are mired in the middle of it i can say because the embargo is up that i've been playing death stranding uh and it has been eating my time alive and that is just one of several games that i'm playing as we rocket towards the end of the year uh that we will be concluding the mass effect portion of the patreon in 2019 and then be booting up uh dragon age in 2020 but as for our schedule next week we will have returning to the podcast one Ginny Wu and joining us for the first time one Caitlin Galise Rowe who will be talking about Jal rounding out our loyalty missions we're going to finally talk about our wonderful Angaran crewmate and get into the heart of Angara and if it's anything like the last time Ginny was on we will get to the bottom of Jal <laughs> uh, <laughs> 
Did you get what I did there? Did you get what I did there? I, did, I, saw uh, that. I got, I got that. <laughs> But thank you so much, Jess, for joining us. If y'all out there are listening, please be sure to get out there and support all the things that all our wonderful guests do. Jess, where can the listeners find you if they want to support what you write and what you do? Oh, um, you can find me, basically, I'll just say Twitter. Um, that's where I exist. Um, so my <laughs> handle is uh, Jessicogs, which is J-E-S-S-A-C-O-G-S. And I have links to everything that I do over there. So you can just find it all in one place. Awesome. Follow her. Follow us, twitter.com slash show or patreon.com slash normdfm. Thank you to everyone who tuned in. And we'll see you next time on normdfm. Yeah,